We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Stéphane Lacoe, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, FFPC, and Rotoviz, of course. We are so excited to have you here. Before we jump into our exciting episode, I just want to let you know where you can find Matt over on Twitter at WispyTheKid. You can follow me at Stéphane Lacoe. We have a lot to get into. We're going to, you know, just... Start off with a little bit of a talk about some of the players whose maybe their their Debbie stock or rookie stock has has skyrocketed over the last couple of weeks. Talk a little bit about the uh, offseason we have uh, planned for you guys. And of course, we'll do a quick breakdown of our locks from last week, go through some of the bowl games that feel like they were like three months ago, but were actually just like two weeks ago and or one week ago. <laughs> and then, of course, we'll spend some time talking about the playoffs that just took place and get into the championship game. Matthew, before we uh, go any further, though, my man, how are you holding up over there? I mean, it's been a, it's been an interesting week. I had the highest of high um, as that game was going on. Uh, got obviously, we all have heard the news of like random COVID stuff going on with Ohio State, and that was kind of a brought the the mood down a little bit. And then uh, yesterday happened in the national world, and we won't get into that, but. Coming into this one a little bit lower energy than some weeks, but whatever. Ohio State is, now it's ramping back up because we are four days from the national championship when Ohio State is playing Alabama. And Ohio State will have the opportunity to ruin Alabama's season once again. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. You said from the very beginning, uh, before we even knew if there was going to be a football season, I remember us getting on here when we were feeling kind of dejected, feeling like maybe there wouldn't be football. You're like, it's a shame because... These two teams could be the best two teams that we've seen in a long time. This playoff could be one of the best playoffs that we've seen in a long time. And and uh, now now here we are, and we're we're on the precipice of seeing Alabama, Ohio State. I really hope, uh, to your point, like talking about COVID stuff, I really hope both teams are at, a, at as close to full strength as possible. I mean, we've uh, we've gone through a lot. These players, of course, have gone through way more. We're just fans. We're just podcasters. <laughs> These players have gone through so much. These coaches have gone through so much. It would be a real shame if it wasn't the uh, the the absolute best versions of each of these teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, just thinking about it this season, I, I went back 
this past week to just listen to a few of our podcasts to hear kind of how I was feeling in that moment when the game got canceled. Um, And I kind of forgot how uh, much it bothered me. And one of the big things I said was, I thought we had an opportunity for one of the greatest playoffs of all time. We had a Mm -hmm. chance of Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence. We had a chance of, I, at the time I said the superstar of Bryce Young leading Alabama and I was very, I need to apologize to Mac Jones for writing him off. Um, But then it was, I I mean, even if you want to sit here and say that, oh, well, Notre Dame got wrecked again. Notre Dame had a real good season and Notre Dame made that game really interesting. So I am, uh, I'm very happy we got to watch football this year. I am um, very excited that this team that I thought was going to be a national championship contender is playing in the national championship. And you want to know my favorite part about all this? Dabo lost. Um, oh my God. That's so good. It, I, and I don't want to like, I know everyone wants to hang on to like, Oh, he ranked him 11th. You know what? If he truly went into his things and said, arbitrarily nine games is his threshold for the top 10. I don't know where he came up with nine. It feels like that's an arbitrary number, but whatever. If that was truly how he thought about it and he said, well, Ohio State is clearly the best team that has not played nine games. Fine. I don't think he did it maliciously. I do think he underestimated the power of a motivated team against his team. And mm-hmm. I, I I, mean, it's hard to say a team isn't motivated when they've been hanging that score in their locker room for them to walk by every single day. Yep. Um so no, it was funny, like watching the broadcast, they brought that up a few times. And every time they did, I just had to think about you because you had been saying like these guys like it's interesting because, you know, that people like these players are motivated for the semifinal game. But when you've been focused on this team for like as a Buckeye being focused on this Clemson team for an entire offseason, an entire season, and, you know, like any spare moment that coaches have, they're, they're thinking about how they can beat Dabo and they're thinking about what they can do against this defense and they're, they're scheming up stuff. And then when it, it just felt like what, once the floodgates started to open, it was like, yep, this is, this was definitely something that I should have. And I know you said that you, I mean, you bet money line, you were, you were on this. And I was like, man, I should have, I should have put more stock into what that means. Not just from an emotional level, not just from a, you know, like, Oh, they really won it level, but just, the amount of preparation that went into this game, you could just tell they they were they were coached up. Um, Dabo was out coached yeah. uh, by day and, and his crew. And I don't want to sit here and act like my money line bet was this like super duper confident. I know we're going to go walk off, like destroy this team, blah, blah, blah. In conversations I was having with people, I said that I thought that Ohio State wins this game 40% of the time. And when you looked at the odds where it was saying that they were a two and a half to one underdog, in a lot of books, it didn't make any sense to me. So the money line was just the value play. So yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, uh, let's roll over though to uh, some of these rookies um, or potential rookies that have really had, in, I mean, their stock pretty dramatically affected by these playoff games. And I mean, and, and maybe even, maybe even not just the playoff game, but also like the uh, maybe the sec championship or mm-hmm. the, uh, big 10 championship as well. Like, yeah, I thought it might be interesting to look at some of these guys because 
uh, some of them, you know, have really made that made that jump to to a, a pretty high level, <laughs> which um, like I know Justin Fields for you. You've been talking about when it when it comes to fantasy football, he's been your number one. Um, he's not anymore, but he's still he's one. Oh, I mean, he's if I if you can have a one oh one point one, that's where I have him. Um, yeah, I have him and I have him and. Trevor Lawrence is basically identical and have put fields below him only because I feel like there is an opportunity where fields has a lower floor. Yeah. And, and dude, like, do you think if fields goes out and replicates what he did to Clemson, where he is throwing these balls 60 yards down the field, just on a dime, perfect placement. Um, if he has another game like that, where he's throwing just as many touchdowns as he's got in completions, do you think there's a world where he can overtake Trevor Lawrence in the NFL draft? No, no. So you think, um, I think right now it's like minus 1200 or something like that, that Trevor Lawrence goes as a number one pick. You think that's a uh, money in the bank right there? Yeah. And you know, I do love the people that have come out and said, Oh, well, wouldn't it be funny if urban Meyer took the Jags job and then took fields number one. And I do just want to throw out there. Urban Meyer has no ties to Justin Fields. Um, right, I know it right. feels like he does because he's still tied to the program. It would be different if Ryan day, if Ryan day took the um, Jacksonville Jaguars job. Yeah. I think there's a chance Ryan day mm-hmm. isn't leaving. So that's out the window. Did he say that? Cause I, I did hear his name floated around not, in a few he's areas. Not leaving. He, yeah. I will put out there that the, his top, his like closest assistant coach, Brian Hartline Every time they put out a tweet or something that's talking about how an NFL team is interested, he basically quote tweets it and kind of makes fun of it. So that should be a decent sign that Ryan Day is is very happy at the Ohio State right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Fields. So I think the one thing that we should all the, the Fields stock didn't go up unless you had irrationally knocked him down. Which a lot of people had. And they had. And I think and that- you, it, we talked about this because you were like, why are people putting Zach Wilson ahead of Fields? But the fact was, people were <laughs> like, not us, but there were people out there talking about it. And I honestly would tell you that. So the draft network is probably one of the film like NFL scout film things that I actually really like to use. And they were, they came out and said, oh, yeah, it was near consensus last week that uh, Zach Wilson was the QB two in blah, 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 blah. And truthfully, um, I get it, but the fact the and then they came back and said, now with this one game sample, we're having people say that Justin Fields is better than Trevor Lawrence. And I just, I, I have to remind people that they're doing the same thing. Justin Fields has a like 19 game sample size or whatever his sample size is. Yeah. I think it's 19, 19 games coming into the, this one he had been superhuman in 16 of those games he had Mm. been pretty good in one more and then he had been objectively bad in two and the only two games that he had been bad in were indiana and northwestern indiana feels fluky it feels like they they rattled him a little bit early and stuff happened and then he tried to just do a bunch of stuff on his own mind you the team scored 42 points, so it's not exactly like they were a right. bad offensive performance. Right. Um, and then Northwestern was a mix of play calling. He hurt his thumb, and then they realized at a certain point, fuck it, we're going to run, and we're going to run a lot. Um, and they did successfully. And, but so 
all the people who are saying, oh, well, we're using this one game sample to decide that Justin Fields isn't or is amazing now. And it's just one of those things where it's like you used a small sample to decide that Justin Fields was bad. Now people are seeing him on this big stage against maybe the best defense he played all year. And he torched him for an amazing game. Yeah. So Justin Fields is is the clear 102. Anyone who doesn't agree with you on that, I'm sorry. You're probably just wrong. Um, yeah. I do want to hit on the rest of the guys we have on our list are, are stock up guys. I do want to hit one stock down guy for me, and that is Kyle Trask. I think he was put in a tough situation. I think playing without Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, and Trev- Trevin? Trevin? I think it's Trevin Grimes. Um, you are guaranteed to have a down game, but he played awful. Um, oh, those interceptions early were rough. Really, really was, rough. I think that the problem with Trask is that we saw him as, look, he's doing, he's Joe Burrow. Boy, he's just doing all this. He's doing, and we didn't necessarily factor in the fact of, well, Kyle Trask does have a long history and he has a lot of questionable stuff on his film as well. Maybe we were overreacting to the emergence of them just throwing to Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony really taking a nice step forward. Um, but I don't think he fell far. I just think this year's QB class, there's anyone so, between yeah. anyone between honestly for me, three and six is pretty you can put them however you want. And I think Trask probably is now more likely to fall towards that five, six range when yeah. with a a huge game, you could have been putting him right there along like Zach Wilson for three. Um right. Right. Totally. Another stock up guy. I mean, how do you not love Mac Jones at this point? I understand mm-hmm. that he has Devonta Smith to throw to, and Devonta Smith can make anyone look good. Um, I would I think I've seen something like ninety percent of their throws in the air only go like 10 yards in the air. And it's just, they, I mean, the receivers are good enough to extend the plays, but I mean, his numbers are better than Tua's on an, like on an efficiency level. He is doing better than Tua. Now, obviously Tua hasn't looked great in the NFL so far, but it's, you have to look at this production with the information we have. And the fact that he looks like he's taken a step forward Mac Jones for me has been my QB three for a little bit. I do think he has a pretty safe floor. My concern with him and the reason why he, he probably can't, there's no way he could get in the fields and Lawrence discussion is just because he is such a, like, he's not mobile. He's not, um, he's not even like, like Lawrence is, is, is mobile. Um, and he is a very much a pass first, but he is, his legs are real. I mean, they're, his his ability to change the game by running the ball is as meaningful as any quarterback in the country not named Justin Fields. So I, I don't know. I think Mac Jones for me, he he put together another another good game in the national champion or in the college football playoff. And I think he kind of proved what we know about him, which is he seems like he's a a very good quarterback. I think he in NFL draft wise, I think he might end up falling closer to five just because um, I think Wilson and Trey Lance are probably more exciting. If you're an NFL franchise, the fact that they might be able to provide an elevation to your roster, right? Or 
theoretically, they can provide a bigger jump to your roster than what Mac Jones might be able to. But I think he is a guy that, like Flacco-like, that just kind of stays effective in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, I could see that as well. I think that's a good comp, actually. Yeah, I was curious about your thoughts on on Trey Sermon. Like running back, such a difficult, such a difficult um, position to not to evaluate, but to kind of predict or project where they might go in the draft. Like, I mean, very few people anticipated Clyde Edwards-Alaire going as a number one back last year. And, um, and even, you know, I think people overreacted to his landing spot and drafted him too high in rookie drafts, uh, when Jonathan Taylor, you know, we were saying all along that he was probably the, the safest bet, even though he wasn't going to quite as prolific of an offense, but with Trey Sermon, um, to me, I I can't think of a running back who has changed his outlook more in a one month or so period of time. I mean, absolutely phenomenal going from a guy who was was really splitting a lot of work to not only just taking taking that role for himself, but putting up, I mean, he broke a school record for for yards. Broke a um, Georgia's it, record. That's bonkers. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just absolutely crazy uh, for him to, to, to make this jump. Do you think it will translate to his draft capital? Um, do you think it should? And what do you think this means for uh, like, and of course in the off season, we'll get into more rookie uh, type stuff, but just a quick, a quick note on him. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, number one, I just want to get, come out and say, I'm sorry, Trey Sermon. Uh, I called you dead after the first game. I think I said, you no longer look like a football player and you didn't have legs anymore. Um, You do. You in fact do have legs. And I think I, and probably quite a few other people underestimated how, a messed up offseason coming off of and I think it was an I think it was a PCL injury that he had. It was either PCL or LCL, but he had a, a knee injury that wasn't one of the big three. And but uh the thing about him is once he got his legs under him and once he got back into what I would just say football shape, yeah, he's looked amazing. He's he was averaging before the Big Ten championship, he was averaging like eight yards a carry. Um And then the Big Ten championship game happened and he's kind of killing it from there. And yeah, I I mean, to say that he's taken over the job, I think is maybe a misnomer. I think that Master Teague's injury, um, because Master Teague got concussed in the Big Ten championship game early on. And that probably translates to why Trey Sermon is now the 30 carry per game running back. But I don't know. I mean... It's hard to so for his stock. I would have told you that Trey Sermon had no value a month ago. That he was a guy that was probably going to go to the NFL, was probably going to be a late day three pick, and probably had zero value to NFL rosters. And I say this as a guy that has him on a couple of Debbie rosters. So it's not like I'm trying to like get myself excited for someone. Um I think he has right now day late day two potential, um, which would make him probably one of the top five or six running backs in this class um, in terms of draft capital. The thing that will hurt him is he's not very fast. I think the one thing that is pretty clear is that he's not going to get in the open field and outrun defenders, but he has kind of turned into a very similar player to what J.K. Dobbins was. He has good vision. 
He has good cut ability and he's kind of an all around good runner, but he lacks top end speed. And what he doesn't have for Dobbins is he's not as good a pass catcher and he's not as good a pass blocker. I think those things will probably push him down a little bit further than when Dobbins got drafted. But I do think you're looking at a guy who he may end up getting uh, similar draft capital and similar looks to a guy like Michael Carter um, out of North Carolina. Um, That's probably where I think he's going to end up being is in that range. Um, Late day two, assuming he has a good enough combine. Yeah, I could see him struggling in the combine, to your point, maybe getting drafted a little lower, but then actually having a pretty solid NFL career uh, with an opportunity to become uh, a real star uh, for fantasy football. Uh, Speaking of fantasy football, I do want to let you know about the 2020-2021 world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge. It is back. It was launched in 2003. The world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge is entering its 18th year and is the largest and most exciting playoff contest in all of season-long fantasy football. Now with a record-shattering 500,000, yeah, you heard me, 500,000 grand prize and close to $1.1 million in total guaranteed prizes. There's no draft, no salary cap, no convoluted rules. You just pick 12 players and let them ride to the Super Bowl with a $200 entry fee and a chance to win half a million Do this right now. You're going to want to go to FFPC and join the playoff challenge. It is going to be a lot of fun. And quite a few Rotoviz guys are involved in that. So uh, join up. It's going to be great. Um, Excited for it. Uh, Matt, let's uh, quickly get into just a little bit of housekeeping here before we uh, jump into um, a bunch of other stuff. I wanted to uh, let our good listeners know just kind of what to expect moving forward. Of course, next week, we will be back with you guys to recap the national championship game and to say goodbye to Chris Olave, because uh, that will be, I'm guessing, and I'm, I'm sure you're guessing his last game. Um, but in all seriousness, um, after that, we'll probably go, or we will be going to uh, every other week format. We're going to be bringing you all kinds of good stuff. We're going to be going through uh, the rookies that are coming out this year, talking about where we like them, going through some different rankings, position by position, of course. When we get closer to the season, we will do the same going through the Debbie prospects. We'll be sure to do this before your Debbie startups are, are getting cranked and before you've got your, your your drafts and all that kind of stuff. We'll give you all the information that you need. Go position by position. Uh, once we get closer to the season, we'll also be doing a breakdown of all the different conferences and what you can expect. Uh, Matt, what am I forgetting? Uh, not much. Um Guests. Yeah. We'll be having guests on, of, of, of course, as well. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to... I have some friends out there who do Devi stuff. Um, you have some friends out there that do Devi stuff. We're going to ask them to come on to the show. Yeah, it'll be That'll good times. So we'll have some smart people on. Travis, of course, will join us. Um, I think Curtis. Curtis, Curtis. Curtis has told me he'll come on this offseason. And then who yeah. knows? Maybe we'll get some surprise guests um, that have never been on this show before. Yeah, it'll be it'll be good. Uh, before we get into uh, the recap um, of last week, is there any any nonsense, any anything crazy that you you feel like we should talk about? Any news and notes that I missed? Um, obviously, a lot of coaching changes are going on right now. Like we said last week, we will do a full breakdown of that uh, once we know where some of these uh, coaches are going to land. Uh, once we know kind of where. Uh, like some of these guys are going to end up in the NFL. It's going to create more openings. The carousel has just begun. Of course, uh, Sark is uh, going to be moving on from Alabama. 
by John Robinson. Right. Yeah. Now. Do you, yeah. Do you, do you like this hire just real quick, just a two minutes. Do you like this hire of Sark? I think Sark is an amazing coach. I think that he will transform their offense. I think he will give all of their running backs a ton of value in Debbie. Um, on a personal level, I'm worried because that job has a lot of pressure and he is a guy that has some demons. So I hope that the Texas administration kind of shields him from some of that stuff. I do think that boosters are going to expect that they have a little bit more um, contact with him than he's had, obviously at Alabama, but I do kind of, I hope that Texas sees this early and makes a point of let's, let's shield him a bit just to, uh, yeah. But I, yeah. I, I like no. from a, from an X's and O perspective, I think it is a is a great hire. I think they they probably picked the right choice. I think the entire saga of this season for them is hilarious. So yeah, get ready for Tom Herman as the OC of Alabama. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that'll happen, but if it, he's no. going to go somewhere to try and piss off Ohio State fans, yeah, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, I I get this all the time. Like, why are you hosting a podcast? Why? Why are you doing this? Of all the people out there, why you? And and I just want to come back at you and say, listen, you can do it too. I want to let you know about Blue Wire Hustle. It's a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give the, everyone the opportunity to take, to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll get you your own. We'll get your show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. Y'all as someone who has started an independent podcast, like not with Rotovis doing my own one, that is a screaming deal. I wish this would have been around when I started mine. Uh, That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. And I can tell you that that is also true. From personal experience, I still pay over $15 a month for a podcast. uh, And I don't get any of these bells and whistles because it wasn't around yet. So whether you're starting from scratch or if you have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Uh, check out the description box for the episode uh, in the, for this episode, and you'll find more information on that. So yeah, just wherever you're listening right now, just look at that description box. There's some information. There's a link in there for you. Uh, check it out because that is an awesome, awesome opportunity. Uh, now I'm going to give you just a couple of minute, uh, seconds here, and uh, you can hear from our good friend, Curtis Patrick to tell you a little bit more about some of the great stuff going on at Rotoviz. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. 
just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back. Let's uh, talk a little bit about our locks from last week. We both went three and three. Uh, of course, we. Uh, I don't know if you have a lock this week. I'd, li- I'd like to hear that. But um, as it stands right now, you are 51, 49, and three on the season. I'm 52, 41, and one on locks for the season. Um, I didn't have time to go through all of our regular picks just yet. We'll do that next week in our wrap-up show uh, for the season. Uh, but I know you beat me in that. So I got you on the locks. You got me on the regular slate, uh, which is different from most years. But, you know, uh, c'est la vie. Uh, why don't you go down uh, and go through some of your your picks, your hits, and your misses, and uh, kind of give us your thoughts. So I had Mississippi State team total under 22 and a half. That missed. Uh, Northwestern Auburn under 43 and a half. That missed. Seriously, I have bet I have picked Northwestern unders twice this year. Two times have I picked their unders. They have gone over both of those times. Guess how many other <laughs> times they have gone over this season? Zero, Zero times. <laughs> oh, Dear man. Pat, stop hating. Uh, Mississippi, Miss. Oh, I'm sorry. Mississippi and Indiana under 66. That was that was a win. Cincinnati plus seven. That was a win. Uh, Ball State, San Jose State over 63 and a half. Didn't get there. And then I did lock up a money line on Ohio State at plus 250. And oh, so I, good. that was that was a win. Yeah, that was so good. I love that. Um, I my locks. I also went three and three. I missed. Uh, I also missed that Ball State San Jose over sixty three and a half. That game was so different than I expected. Ball State got out to a quick lead and then just deflated uh, the game. Um, I had the over in that Georgia Cincinnati game um, that did not hit. I had Tulsa minus two and a half versus Mississippi State. Missed out on that one too. But I did hit Iowa State minus three and a half. Ugh, that one, that game, my God. Texas A&M minus seven, UNC. And NC State plus two and a half. Here's the bitch about all of this. I didn't want to put money against Oregon because it was a bowl game. And so I didn't put money on my own lock. The Texas A&M minus seven, I ended up starting to sweat it a little bit close. So instead, I bet the first half at minus four and it was not oh no minus four and a half and 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 i missed it just by a smidge so mad and then the nc state plus two and a half i told you on the show um i'm putting two and a half in the locks but i'm gonna bet at money line i did bet at money line just like i told you i would and uh they only got the backdoor cover they never really were in that game so um while i went three and three on the week i had a terrible week personally betting these games it was a real bitch of a, a real bitch of a, a bowl season for me uh not not pleased at all with how how things transpired uh, but let's go through uh these games where we're going all the way back to december 31st it feels like a lifetime ago but really it was only like a little over a week ago uh we had the armed forces bowl tulsa 26 mississippi state 28 uh, of course, we were both on Tulsa. We got that one wrong. Uh, the Arizona Bowl, which we mentioned already, Ball State hammered San Jose State 34-13. to You were on that game. I don't know if you thought Ball State would win it, but you certainly thought they would be able to cover. I got that one wrong. I was on San Jose State. Um, I went 4-7 and seven this week. You went 7-4 and four in these bowl games. You did a great job. Um, much I'm better sure. than me. Yeah, very smart. Um, Liberty Bowl. West Virginia 24, Army 21. They were... Um, West Virginia was laying seven, and that was uh, too many. It was a close game. Army was actually up for quite a bit in this one. Um, let's spend a little bit more time on these these upcoming games because I think a little bit more high profile. Uh, I know you loved Cincinnati. Uh, was Georgia won 24 to 21? Uh, you thought Cincinnati would be able to play this one tough, and you were absolutely right. 
I actually bet won. this game. Dude, I bet this game at halftime at Cincinnati minus three when they were up big. And then Georgia just got that defensive touchdown. You know, it really all seemed to change when the left tackle for Cincinnati got um, ejected for targeting. Uh, the backup had a couple of penalties. Uh, he had a false start that really screwed them up late in the game. Uh, but I know I know you love Cincinnati. I'd love to hear your thoughts and not just me uh, rambling about why I'm sad I lost money. So I do love Cincinnati, and I think that Cincinnati was kind of the the perfect matchup for a team that if you thought an SEC team was going to come in and not care, that the team that was going to expose them was a team that has every reason to care. And Cincinnati had every reason to care. This is a great season for them. And it's a great season even with the loss. Um, but there is, there's a little bit of a, with a war of attrition with this. Whereas Georgia has backups that start anywhere in the country. Georgia has third stringers that probably start for every team in the AAC, including Cincinnati. So when you talk about this Georgia team that plays very physical and does have, I mean, even though they're playing with, I think they were missing like six or seven guys. Um, like they were missing with missing quite a few people. They, they were eventually just able to wear down this Cincinnati team. And when Cincinnati loses one player, all of a sudden the game kind of, it changes quickly. And I think that's kind of what happened here. Um, also, I mean, it's pretty clear that Luke Fickle got a little conservative in the second half and was just trying Absolutely. to like just kind of get the game. He wanted the game to be over and just run out of there with a win and hold on to it. But and it would have worked if they didn't have that strip sack uh, defensive touchdown. I think, I think you would have, it would have panned out. Okay. But that really, really killed him. I, yeah. I, I mean, either way, good season for Cincinnati. I think everyone in the city is happy for him. If they, I mean, they should, I, I, I think I saw there was one player from the Cincinnati team that stuck around on the field and sat there and watched every second of the uh, trophy presentation. Yeah, there was oh, wow. only one. And he tweeted out later, he's like, I know everyone thinks we should be happy with this season, but I came here to win. And I want to remember seeing this other team hold the trophy up mm-hmm. because that yeah. will drive me. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, when you have that kind of attitude and you have players with that kind of attitude, this team's going to grow. Um, they're going to lose their defensive coordinator this offseason, Marcus Freeman, who was maybe one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Um, they're going to lose him just because they can't, they're not going to be able to pay him what these other schools are going to offer him. And he's getting, right. he's getting offers from LSU. Um, he's getting offers from, I think, Auburn. So they're, there's someone's going to throw a lot of money at him to be their defensive coordinator. And he's going to make a team really good on defense. But Cincinnati, as long as they have Luke Fickle, is going to be in very good shape. And yeah, <laughs> which I mean, might not be all that long. In all I honesty, mean, that guy's name is being floated for all kinds yeah, of jobs. As it should. Yeah, he is very yeah. good. So yeah. All right, moving on to the Citrus Bowl, a uh, game that, yeah. um, like I said, Pat hates me. Um, Northwestern really kind of handed it to Auburn, thirty-five to nineteen. We were both on Northwestern in this one. And I will tell you that even though I picked Northwestern, I was fairly confident in their ability to control this game. Laying points with a team that traditionally does not play offense is right terrifying. And, um, but boy, did they come out the gates fast. And I knew very quickly, my 43 and a half was not going to hold. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I I think this was a, a good sign for the Big Ten. I think that everyone who said, oh, well, the Big Ten was having a down year, the Big Ten was having a down year. Just because Northwestern isn't exciting doesn't mean they're not really good. Um, that's, that's a really good point. And I think that was the thing that everyone kind of for, or took a, should take away from this is Northwestern wants to beat you in the ugliest way fat or in the ugliest fashion possible. And they will do that to a lot of teams. And this Auburn team, which was a down Auburn team. I mean, it's not a great team, but they were ranked for the better part of this year. Yeah. I mean, they were six and four. I mean, they got, they got handled. This game. So yeah, they really did. Um, Otherwise, not super exciting. I think the yeah, only takeaway from this good. Who? Peyton Ramsey. Uh, he looked pretty good throwing the football. He had a couple nice touchdown passes. Like he had three on the day, but I, I remember two specifically that were that were ni- really nice throws. And uh, I, I know you know he's someone that you had talked about, and he uh, he had transferred over. It'll be interesting to see what he does, like with this year not counting against eligibility. Like uh, if he if he wants, he to has stick no around. NFL future. Might as well just get extra time yeah. getting a good education from a really good school. So. Hopefully yeah. he comes back. Uh, Gator Bowl. So <laughs> we were both just objectively wrong about this game on pretty much all fronts. You thought that this was like super easy win money line. I at thought the NC time State this, was going to dominate. At the time of recording, I picked Kentucky to cover um, just because I it was a gut feeling. Um, I later wrote an article for Action Network where I picked NC State to win um outright just because the number didn't make sense um because north carolina state was a a pretty good offense going up against a good kentucky defense and kentucky's offense was awful and turns out this nc state offense which had actually played respectable all year long really not very good and their quarterback from this game uh harrison something Hawkman. Bailey? Ha- no, Hawkman. Bailey Hawkman. Yeah. Thinking of Tennessee's quarterback, but no, Bailey Hawkman. Um, he's already in the transfer portal. He already is gone because he knows that Devin Leary is the starter. So, well, yeah, it doesn't help when you, you know, you, you throw three, inter- like three interceptions, your, your first drive of the game, you go out there, throw an interception and put your team in a really rough situation when you're going I mean, against a defense that can be pretty stifling. Yeah. NC state, could have won this game, but they kept shooting. Like Kentucky's offense was never a threat in this right. in this game. Uh, I think that's it was pretty clear that their offense was not going to make this a anything other than a let's try and win it in the twenties. And they threw a late pick from like their own twenty, and Kentucky got the ball at the forty. And scored two plays later on on running plays. And it was just like, at that moment, yeah. you were really just, if you were an NC State backer, you were sitting there just, please, Unhappy. dear God, <laughs> let them march down the field one time. And they did. And yeah. like I, this was a kicked in the back door type of one. Yeah. Um, I mean, but- NC State did miss two field goals that could have maybe changed things. Like that was in the set. That was, you know, the end of the first half, they missed one. And then be- beginning of the third quarter, they missed one. So Definitely had their opportunities and just just couldn't do it. And like you said, like Hawkman had a really rough outing. Um, they just couldn't do much off, couldn't do much offensively at all. Yeah, let's move on to a game that actually featured teams that were fun-ish. Uh, 
Ole Miss and Indiana in the Outback Bowl. Ole Miss, even without, I think it was like Shocking. sixty, like sixty percent of their receiving production, uh, yeah, wins this game twenty six to twenty against Indiana. Um, I'm a little bit surprised, but at the same time, I'm not. Uh, we were both on Indiana in this game minus eight. The only real miss I feel about this one is that I feel like we both overvalued uh, Indiana's offense. And we just assumed Which was kind of silly. Like, Tuttle was coming in off one game. Like, we shouldn't have assumed he'd be able to. I mean, I, I was, I don't know if I was. It was more that we were. Their offense, as much as Old Miss defense was just garbage all year. And that's, and I think that's where the, I, I don't want to say whiff for us was. I think that's where we may have missed this, missed on this game. And it's only just because. Like their offense ended up being 99 yards from Stevie Scott and 201 yards from Jack Tuttle. So they ended up with sub 400 total offensive yards. And the problem that is that even without all these good players and even without the God Elijah Moore, um, we should have assumed that Lane Kiffin's going to be able to get some points on the board. And as right. good as Indiana's defense is, and honestly, holding Ole Miss to 26 points doesn't matter who they're missing. It's pretty darn good. I mean, yeah, they scored did you a lot love of that. Did you love that John Reese Plumley was playing wide receiver? Ended up with five receptions for love seventy it. plus yards. I <laughs> love it. I mean, I am a JRP believer. Um, he still he should not have been the start of this year. I was wrong in saying that, but whatever. Um, I, I what I mean. I didn't watch a ton of this game, I won't lie. Um, but it is it was an interesting out uh, result for me, and I th- it's one of those ones where I should have taken a little bit longer to evaluate Indiana's offense after the Penix injury, and I think that's where I missed. But whatever, you live, you learn, and then you get loves. Um, moving on to the Fiesta Bowl, which I know is a game you want to talk about. Iowa State, um, 34, Oregon, 17. I'm going to let you talk now. Yeah. So this game went, well, so let me start. How much time do you, how much time do you want to give this game? Let's go a little bit. Let's, we're, I mean, we are, Uh, yeah, we're we're only 40 40 minutes minutes in. (laughs) Let's get up to an hour right here. We don't have anything. No. Um, so, the first two drives, Oregon could not stop Iowa State. They would play them tough. They'd get to third down, and then Iowa State would convert. At one point, I believe they were, after two drives, they were six for six on third down conversions. Their next two third down conversions that they missed, they ended up converting the fourth down on. So they were just not getting off the field. Oregon was meeting them blow for blow. Like, the difference was like it was 14-14 at one point, like you know, early on in the second quarter, but both teams had only had the ball um twice. No one was getting stopped. The, the, the craziness was like the first drive of Iowa State's was like seven and a half minutes. The second drive was eleven minutes. And meanwhile, Oregon was scoring within like three or four minutes. So like just score after score after score. Um, and then you know, Iowa State goes up again, scores another touchdown after a a really misfortunate uh turnover there was uh, so the story of the game can be kind of summed up in 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 two different um comparisons that's the third down efficiency like i mentioned um 
Iowa State, like they did get slowed down later. We were able, excuse me, Oregon was able to get some stops, but Oregon on third downs in this game was over. Like they did not convert a third down or a fourth down. So we were 0 for 6 on third, 0 for 1 on fourth. Meanwhile, um, Iowa State was 11 for 19 on third downs, but they did convert, like I said, those two fourth downs. So they ended up converting a lot of time. The other big one, of course, was the turnover the turnover margin, um, 4 to 0. Like we had three uh, fumbles and we threw a pick. And not to mention um, towards the end of the game, uh, towards the end of the half, the uh, the Cyclones did like a, a pooch kick after they scored the touchdown, and our tight end, our backup tight end, was the kind of the up man who couldn't catch it. Like he went to catch it, he dropped. He didn't even drop it. He just missed it, and they, you know, essentially got an onside kick. Uh, so I mean, that's that's essentially five turnovers that took place, and like we, this team just doesn't have the uh, the 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 firepower to overcome five turnovers. So. Uh, 1734 felt about right for for what took place in this game considering this turnovers but for a while like it was a it was a very competitive game that the, the scoreline won't show like it should have been 28 21 going into the half but but anthony brown um missed a wide open receiver in the end zone i think it was uh, johnny johnson the third um but one of the things that i'm really hoping takes place in the offseason for oregon is they need to figure out who their quarterback is because doing this um one possession for anthony brown and then the next for Tyler Shuck and then switching it back and forth just is not uh, an effective way to play football. In my opinion, I think if Brown decides to come back um, again, he was a, a, a grad transfer, but he's, a, you know, everyone's eligible to come back again. So it'll be curious to see if he does come back. If he does, I hope it's, you know, him and Tyler Shuck kind of battle that out and maybe Ty Thompson are, um, you know, our highly ranked recruit that's coming in. Maybe he competes as well. Um, I personally, I'd love to see them give it to Thompson, see what he can do, um, get him to to grow with this wide, young wide receiver core. But um, yeah, Iowa State really dominated from just offensively. They just uh, just couldn't be stopped early. And then once the defense finally got going, our offense couldn't get going. So all that to say, um, Oregon did not play their best football and this team cannot overcome uh, four turnovers and zero third down conversions. Uh, they were without CJ Burdell, but Travis Dye was fine. He did fumble the ball, but um, just shut me up. I'm done now. All right. Uh, takeaways from a fantasy perspective in this <laughs> we game. We both got that one correct, though. We both were on Iowa State. Well, it's, it was a bad matchup for you guys. You guys don't defend the run very well. They have a good running back. Uh, takeaway from this game. Brees Hall should be one of the top six picks going into next year's Debbie drafts. Probably oh, higher. Yeah. Um, I... I, I don't, there's not much else to say. He's really good. Um, from, and then if you're looking for kind of a deep cut tight end that if he decides, I don't think he's declared yet. Charlie Kohler has been a dude that's been kind of interesting. Um, this yeah. is now, he had 697 yards in 2019, 591 in 2020, seven touchdowns both years. He's big. He's six foot six, two fifty. Um, He's just an interesting dude that may end up getting um, some draft buzz. And he's so he's just a name to keep an eye on. Yeah. But I don't have a ton to say about that game. I didn't watch a whole lot of it. I watched a lot of it and it was very frustrating. Let's go to the Orange Bowl. Texas A&M 41, North Carolina 27. It was a lot closer for a while, wasn't it? I mean, we had a very entertaining first half. It was 
let me let me make sure I got this right. Yeah, at, at the half it was seventeen thirteen. So um, kept it close. NC, not excuse me, not NC State, University of North Carolina. The Tar Heels ended up taking the lead in the third quarter, but the fourth quarter, um, you know, it was tied twenty seven twenty seven with ten minutes left. But then a late onslaught by uh, the Aggies put this one away to that forty one to seventeen, uh, forty one to twenty seven scoreline. Sorry, I'm struggling with my words here, Matt. Words are hard. Um, and English isn't your first language. So, um, so I mean, I think if you are a Sam Howell guy, like I am there, there's really two ways to look at this game. They lost, um, but they probably should have lost by more. Um, the fact that this team was still very much in the game with a not good defense missing their top two running backs and missing their top receiver. And this team was tied in the fourth quarter. I'm not going to say you should feel this like moral victory, but if you're a Sam Howe guy and I'm a Sam Howe guy, he went 18 for 31, 234 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. And he pretty much was asked to win this game on his own in this game. So uh, Daz Newsome wasn't as impressive as I was expecting. I will say that I told people on this podcast to play him on DFS. I think I did. I don't know. I, I thought you I did. did. Um, you did. And I mean, six for 68 and a touchdown isn't bad, but he didn't go off in the same way um, I would have expected. Um, Josh Downs um, is a freshman. Um, just a, I mean, it is nice to see a guy that has some chemistry with the quarterback. Um, if he turns out to be their lead guy next year, probably a dude worth at least paying attention to because he may end up with some solid production. So, uh, beyond that, uh, I still, um, by the way, against a real opponent, Isaiah Spiller averaged 4.5 yards per carry. Um, I, I'm not going to hate on Spiller too much. I think he's fine. But if anyone tells you that they think he's a surefire, he's going to be amazing in the NFL, he's not. He might be very good. He may end up being amazing, but he's definitely not a surefire. Um, I still think Aeneas Williams is a more fun back, and I, I have higher expectations for what an NFL team will find a way to use Aeneas Smith than I am in mm-hmm. Isaiah Spiller. So... Let's get on to the two playoff games. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm excited because neither one was a very good game <laughs> from a neutral perspective uh, once all was said and done. But let's let's start with Notre Dame versus Alabama. The spread was 19 and a half. Alabama wins 31-14. And all I have to say is fuck you, Saban. You're stupid personal foul misconduct on the sideline after a nothing play giving them the first down giving them field position letting them get that touchdown letting them cover that 19 and a half damn you Saban you are the worst coach in all of NC double a you can't cover a 19 and a half point spread in a semifinal game against the number four ranked team you are clearly overrated We've officially, hit We've officially hit our f bomb limit for the show for the day. Uh, <laughs> no, it's I, I would have felt the same you. way in your shoes. Um, oh, but like I said, I had a bad betting weekend. Like that one was just like, are you kidding me? 
Are you kidding me? I was so angry. I, I would have been right there with you. Um, I We both picked Alabama in this game. We both just said we're not getting in front of the Alabama train. I might get in front of the Alabama train this week, but whatever. Um, That's what you call I, a tease right there. Uh, I just have to say that I... I don't hate what North Car- I mean what Notre Dame tried to do here. For many parts of the game they tried to have long drives. They tried to keep Alabama's offense off the field. They wanted to rely on Kyron Williams. They wanted to rely on like short passes from Ian Book, like the safe plays. And the problem is that you kind of have to score pretty close to every time down the field. And you yeah. can't have turnovers. You're, there can be no interceptions. Um, and if if you're relying on keeping Alabama's offense off the field, then every single time you're on the field, you need to come away with points. And coming away with only 14 points, yeah, Notre Dame was never going to win this game 14. Um, but I think it did at least provide a secondary script on the potential ways to beat Alabama. Um, yeah and you would you would look at it from that perspective i'm just it's i'm a i'm a person who saw this game i mean part of it is i think alabama probably took their foot off the gas in the second half i think there's a little less motivation to go score 100 when you're up 21 to 7 at halftime and especially Um, when devonta devonta smith your heisman winning wide receiver gets banged up on a touchdown pass and comes up limping i mean it's like okay let's uh let's be careful here but if i uh, i mean we are also we have we'll be remiss if we didn't talk about the uh, holy crap moment of this game, which is uh, Najee Harris. So Najee Harris gets oh to the God. outside, hurdles a person, um, and goes for like forty more yards. So I don't know about you, um, I've seen now a lot of players attempt the hurdle just because it seems like it's a whole lot of fun. How many of them go for more than like two more yards afterwards? Yeah, or they get injured or fumble. Something stupid yeah. usually happens. It's usually not worth it. But normally, like even the most up until this point, the best hurdle we'd ever seen was uh, Saquon Barkley hurdled a person, got hit in the air, hit the ground, and then got like ten more yards. And we were all like, "Oh my god, this is the greatest player we've ever seen." Najee Harris jumped a person who, by the way, was pretty close to straight up and down. He wasn't yeah. exactly like diving at it his knees. Fun. Um, and he went for 40 more yards. Like he hit the ground and didn't lose speed. I thought that was insane. Uh, Najee Harris is very comfortably the, uh, a top two running back. I think a lot of people could make, I think he's my one. Like I love ETN. I think ETN Mm. is probably more likely to make major super duper explosive plays in the NFL. But I mean, I'm also a realist in understanding that, a running back like Najee Harris, they're going to see and say, Ooh, we can make him a bell cow. And the yeah. fact that he's, I mean, he, he also had to his, yeah, he's, a, yeah. I think it's pretty safe assumption. He's a better pass blocker. I would say it's a pretty safe assumption. He's a as good, if not better receiver. Yeah. I think, I think Najee's my one. Um, I think he would probably wow. be my in non super flex leagues. He'd probably be my one one um, I don't say well, wow because I disagree with you either. I'm saying how much he like was how good I mean year has been like him coming back. We usually don't want running backs coming back if they don't have to. Um, but he he definitely did the right thing. Absolutely. I mean, his stock is so much higher this year than it was so, last year. So I mean, whatever. Moving on from that, I, Devonta Smith. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll just say this. I understand why people who are analytics people look at him and say, well, he broke out super late. And you know what? I'm guilty of it sometimes too, but you all, I've, I've been trying to put this out there as much as I possibly can with the way college football is moving with these super rooms where you're getting these wide receiver rooms that legitimately have multiple first round talents in them. You have to take a half step back and understand that four guys that legitimately have first round NFL talent and NFL value cannot all get a 30% dominator and it doesn't make them suck. So while I think Devonta Smith probably benefited from being without Waddle um, and benefited from being the oldest guy in the room. I also think Devonta Smith is freaking awesome. And um, I mean, he, he is, I think there's a, a decent chance he's the first wide receiver drafted. And I think he should be everyone's wide receiver too in, on draft boards, because I think he's that special. Um, I will say I'm excited to see Jalen Waddle again, because I still think Jalen Waddle is more exciting, but mm-hmm. um, Devonta Smith is, is awesome. And I think that you have to be it's able to under that you have to be able to put nuance in analytics. You cannot simply look at a number and that's the end of the story because in a lot of these ones, it's not. Um, by the way, I still don't like Kyron Williams. I know everyone wants me to like Kyron Williams. They should be giving the ball to Chris Tyree more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I agree with that last part of that statement for sure. Um, so, let's move on to the good you know, game. other game. The game that I thought would be super close and interesting, uh, but I thought Clemson would, you know, win by more than seven and a half because I picked them to do that. Uh, Ohio State 49, Clemson 28. I'll be honest, man. After the first drive for both teams, I was like, uh oh, <laughs> uh oh, seven nothing Clemson already. Didn't you uh, message me? Oh yeah, like oh, I'm sorry, dude. This is looking rough. And you, you were, you were very calm. I was very impressed with you. And then uh, Sermon busted off that 32 yard touchdown run. Of course, Etienne came right back with one of his own, and game on. It was 14 14 after the first quarter, and we all kind of had that feeling. Oh, this is going to be a track meet. Which team is gonna is gonna have the ball last? Because that's the one that's gonna win. At least that's what I was thinking. And then all of a sudden, Justin Fields just said, "Nope." I am going to win this game and I'm going to do whatever I want and I will make stupid throws look easy and I will make my running game work and all will be well. And it was, (laughs) it was unbelievable. Um, They ended up scoring uh, three touchdowns, like uh, 21 points in a row and just put the game out of reach. It was unbelievable, unbelievable performance by, uh, by the buckets. And maybe I shouldn't use the word unbelievable. Maybe that's disrespectful. I don't mean it to be I more just mean extremely impressive. But I'll let you uh, talk about it since I know you know a lot more about about this team than than, so, than I do. So no, and I and I think you you hit the points that I I really feel confident about. And you ask people might ask why I felt calm after the first drive. Um, yes, Clemson went out there and averaged like ten point something yards per play. They had an explosive drive, and they they did. They looked like they, but it also kind of went the exact way that I I thought things would go. Um, So one of my big analyses that I was really expecting to see was that I thought that Ohio State was going to give all of those short routes and they were going to 
make a point of shutting down ETN, shutting down Lawrence in the running game. That was going to be their focus was stop the run and give them the short pass. So they give them a little bit of soft coverage and they'll be willing to give you that like six yard catch um, because they know they're going to stop the run that comes with it. And what you're hoping in this is that one or two of those short passes, either it's a good defensive play or just an errant throw because of some pressure. And all of a sudden now you are looking at a third and long. And on that first drive, let me, let me find it. Uh, when they got to, so Clemson goes uh, eight yards on the first play, 11 yards on the second, 26 on the third. And then, so now it's first and 10 at the Ohio state 37 and they bring out Lynn J Dixon. He runs for five yards and then they throw an incomplete pass to Cornell Powell and it's third and five. This is the scenario I, I wanted. I wanted them to get in a spot where they have to throw the ball and they make this long throw to Cornell Powell where he pushes off and then still has to make a pretty ridiculous catch on the sideline. And that gets them down to the OSU five. The reason obviously then ETN walks into the end zone and you would think, Oh my gosh, they just exposed the receiver. What I saw was, huh? Clemson was uh, doing some holding in the running game on the first try. I mean, Whatever, I'm, I'm not going to be that bitter guy calling out holds, but doing a little bit of holding on that first. Especially after a 49 to 28 win. <laughs> no, no, I mean, so they, there was a little bit of holding that I noticed on the first drive. Whatever, it happens. There's holding on lots of plays. Um, but Ohio State got them in the scenario I wanted. They got them into a you must pass third down. And on that you must pass third down, they went to Cornell Powell, who pretty blatantly pushed off on the play and then made a pretty ridiculous catch. Mm -hmm. They're going to miss on those quite often. And because of that, I thought, all right, so now it's proven that even in a bad worst case scenario drive where they have an explosive drive where they're averaging more than 10 yards of play, Ohio state still had the opportunity to get them off the field for no points. There are going to be drives where they struggle. And that is when this game will open up what I didn't expect was for Clemson's offensive line to apparently hate Trevor Lawrence um, because they did because they allowed him to get hit a lot. And even though I think Ohio state only finished with one sack in the game, let me confirm that. Yeah, no two sacks in the game. Um, He sure got hurried a lot. He sure yeah. had pressure on him a lot. He had to move around an awful lot. And he definitely never felt super comfortable. And that was really what you were hoping to see out of this defensive line. So yeah, I mean, and then offensively, (laughs) I mean, it's really funny if you go and look at that, uh, the first Justin Fields touchdown pass to Luke Farrell, boy, did he make his job way more difficult than it needed to be. He (laughs) threw that sucker into a window that didn't exist. Like right. his window was, Hey, the player's hand is going to be at about six foot tall. And the receiver is about six foot six, throw it just above that. And that was his window. What's funny is, is Jeremy Ruckert, who ended up scoring two more touchdowns in the first half was wide open on that play in the end zone. Right. So, <laughs> um, the one funny thing. And so the criticism on, 
for fields in this game was his interception. Um, one, it was a pass deflection. So it's hard to fully give him credit because I think that even had it, had it not been deflected, I think it might've been a throwaway. but, uh, and I haven't seen it from sky cam. I haven't had an opportunity to like see the film on this. He claims that Olave was open ahead of the coverage. And the only reason why it looked like it was a throw into triple coverage was because the ball floated. And that had it been a bullet, like a lot of his passes, it would have just been an easy walk-in touchdown for Alave. I don't know that I haven't seen the film, but that's what he claimed after the game. So who knows? This game could have even been more ridiculous. He could have had seven and no interceptions. And then everyone who already fell in love with him would have fallen more in love with him. Um, Obviously, Trey Sermon did Trey Sermon like things. Dude, 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 Trey Sermon. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I mean, I think Justin Fields had a, unbelievable unbelievable game i wonder if it would have been as spectacular had they not been able to had ohio state not been able to get sermon going i mean absolutely 31 carries for 193 i mean not only did he carry the ball often he was efficient with it averaging more than six yards a carry i mean i i feel like that that powerful run game uh, really opened up that deep ball for Justin Fields. And then he did not miss on it, which of course, you know, credit to him. But wow, unbelievable, unbelievable. And then, uh, Trey, he was uh, an unsung, well, I mean, he wasn't unsung, but w- one of the real standouts in this game. I would agree. Um, Mayan Williams, aka Meatball, um, which is why he's my favorite. Um, <laughs> I, freshman I running don't, back. He is a freshman running back. I don't think you're going to get to see a ton of him because we have obviously... If you follow recruiting, you know that Ohio State brought in two top five running backs in next year's class. Uh, they do expect to like a, be a part of the rotation early. But I do think that what you saw out of him is he is a big back that still has some speed and he has a little bit of wiggle, um, to use a film term. Um, I I don't know he's going to title for this episode. A little bit of wiggle. I feel like we did that yeah. with Trey Sermon like two years ago. Um, oh, we'll do it again. No, it's it's fine. Um, that was Jordan who said at that time. But Mayan Williams is a really good running back. I think that he'll probably stay involved in some capacity next year. He, who knows? But if Master Teague and Trey Sermon both go to the NFL, Mayan Williams might start the season as the lead back. And I wouldn't hate it. Um, we do need to quickly touch on a couple of the Clemson players. Um, Trevor Lawrence threw for 400 yards. And his line, yeah. his line owes him an apology card for the amount that they let him um, really have to do it on his own. He played great. Don't even worry about it. If you're a, if you were, if you're somehow thinking this should knock him down in your rankings, just stop it. He's the 101. Yeah. Okay, Travis Etienne. I could have told you this was coming. I'm sorry if if I I think I did actually say no. I said this to people about who were talking about me with DFS. I said that he was going to have a better game in the passing game than he did in the running game. Maybe you mentioned that to me offline too, but I I thought I I remember hearing you say that. And it was because Ohio state's defensive line is built to stop the run. It wasn't, it's not their normal year, but again, I think he's the second best running back in this class. I think he still has a pretty insane explosiveness. The, the problem with ETN is that this is kind of what happens 
with him is there's going to be games where he does get bottled up, where he averages three or four yards, but then he's going to break away. And in this game, he just never had that breakaway play because by the time that he may have been able to do that, the game was in a, okay, I guess we have to pass every play now. And so that was always going to hurt him a little bit. Um, the standout in the receiving game for Clemson is Cornell Powell. Um, not super surprised. He did make Sean Wade look kind of silly a couple of times. Uh, eight receptions, 139 yards, two touchdowns. Doesn't change anything for me. He's not He's not a real NFL receiver. He'll probably get drafted. If you take him in any of your dynasty rookie drafts, I think you're making a mistake. I think there are players that have a higher upside and are better. Um, and Amari Rogers is still good. Um, I don't think I do think this will probably keep him from being this year's Brandon Ayuk, but whatever. Um, yeah. And now for the star of this game, Chris Olave. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I. I, I feel like people don't understand how good he is and how much he means to Justin Fields. And this was the reason why I thought he was going to have a breakout year. In that moment, when he Justin Fields heaved the ball 50 yards on a dime, it's because he knew where Chris Olave was going to be. He had no doubt in his mind Chris Olave was going to be there and he was going to have a step and a half on his defender. Chris Olave is awesome. I, I fully in my heart believe that he is a top 12 pick Trent, in rookie drafts. I think he should be a first round pick. Yeah. What? I said he's a transcendent talent. Eh, I I really like him. I really think so. I think he's special. I think I think um outside of like the big name guys, I think Olave and Diami Brown are two of the most exciting wide receivers that are going into the NFL this year, presumably. Yeah. That I, and Alave is going to go. Uh, he's, he's talked about it, but he, he will go. I am. I, I will say I'm happy to see a guy like Jeremy Rucker get some work. Um, when he came out of high school, he was a high four star. He was considered the best receiving tight end in his class. He just went to a program that doesn't use the tight end very much, but he seems to show up in these big moments. He did it in the big, 10 championship game last year and he had uh two touchdowns in this one yeah he he is a he has developed a ton as a blocker from what i am seeing uh, out there um i do think he's gonna get to an nfl roster and i think he will be effective he still should probably be the tight end like four or five in this class if he decides to leave and i don't think that's a lock all right Cool. Well, let's get to the main event here. We have a national championship game. Uh, as of right now, we're recording on Thursday. It's still planned for Monday. We've got Ohio State 7-0, 4-3 against the spread, against the Alabama Crimson Tide 12-0, a healthy 8-4 against the spread. The line is plus 8 for Ohio State. The over-under is set at 75. We've got a first half of minus 4.5 Alabama. First quarter minus a half. The over in the first quarter is 16 and a half. And the over at halftime is 37 and a half. Those are your options for betting. Um, before we kind of dissect uh, and kind of dive into this game, uh, do you want to give me uh, any plays? Do you have a lock, Matthew? Do you have a lock? I don't know. I really don't. You want to talk about it first and then see if a lock no, pops you know out. what? If I... If I'm if I'm making if I'm putting my hard-earned dollars down, I think I'm on over seventy-five. 
Um, mm. Cause I think this game probably looks a lot more like Florida, uh, Alabama than any game you might expect. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, it's definitely not a lock. Ah, screw it. We'll lock it up. Alabama, Ohio State over 75. Uh, that's my one lock. I do think this game turns into a track meet. I don't necessarily think it is a... Um, I'm not going to... I think you're sweating because 75 points is a lot. So you're going to yeah. sweat. But yeah. Or, and then, or it could be 21-14 after the first quarter. I mean... Be. <laughs> I think it, I do think it'll be an interesting game. I I feel pretty good about Ohio State covering. If I were on my pick, for, oh, sorry, I just spit in my mic. Um, oh, nice. Uh, my pick for this game would be Ohio State plus eight. Um, I will probably have a small wager down from my winnings from the previous game. I probably will just roll my profits over into a money line bet, just because I feel like it adds something for me to do that, but um, I'm not super confident. So I'm not going to tell people to do that. For people who are wanting to bet Ohio state plus eight, um, where would the line need to move for you to no longer feel comfortable with that eight points? What do you mean? Where would the line need to move? Where would the line need to move for you to no longer want to back Ohio state? Sorry. I I asked the question in under seven. So after a touchdown, you want Alabama after if it if it gets to six and a half, I'm, I would start pushing Alabama pretty hard. Now, mind you, yeah. I say this. I think there is a 25 percent chance that Ohio State wins this game outright. I think they are very capable, um, but I do think Alabama is going to come into this game closer to full strength than Ohio State will. And I think that Ohio State needs things to break right for them to win. But I do think they are capable. Now, from a numbers perspective, I think Alabama is probably seven points better. But I think that's where it is. I think they are seven points better. And I actually think this game will probably move when we get more reports that Jalen Waddell is in practice um, and there starts to be more leaks about potential people who will be missing the game for Ohio State. But the truth is, and the reason why I'm not super stressed about Ohio State's uh, who they're missing is because, number one, the people who they're going to fill them in with are still really good. Um, and it's because they're all defensive. Um, if the game's going to... Ohio State isn't winning this game the same way they beat Clemson. They're not going to hold Alabama to 28 points. Um, so I think that it's a shootout regardless. And I would be more worried if I was hearing Chris Alave missing. He can't yeah. because he's because he had it. He was a confirmed had COVID. So I think by even Big Ten rules, he's out of testing for another like two months would be the thing. So uh, he would worry me. Justin Fields would worry me. Garrett Wilson would worry me. Beyond that, and probably now at this point, I guess I have to say Trey Sermon would worry me. Beyond that, sure, yeah. I am. Um, nothing really changes how I feel about their chances. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, 
I wish I was more confident in this one. I was really confident against Clemson. Um, but the truth is that Alabama has the explosive receivers that uh, are the downfall to Ohio State's defense this year. The The and- explosive pass has been what hurt them. And even last game when they did a good job against Clemson, I think it was something they had like 15 passes over 10 yards or something like that. Like they had a lot of fairly explosive plays against Ohio State. So I can't sit here and say that I am as confident because I do think matchup wise, this one is going to be worse. So yeah, sorry. That one's, I I feel like I kind of spit a lot of word nonsense at you. For me, what you mentioned, like talking about Clemson's wide receiver room compared to Alabama's room, when you were talking about Cornell Powell and um, you know, Amari Rogers and I mean, even EJ Williams, like, and then you compare it to what <laughs> Alabama has. It's, it's just so different, you know, like we're talking about the best receiver in, in the country um, in college in Devonte Smith. We're talking about possibly getting this, uh, the guy who might get better bottle <laughs> back. Um, they've got their, you know, he's listed as a tight end, but Jaleel Billingsley is more of a wide receiver. I mean, he's 6'4", 230, but can, he, he's their kick returner for Christ's sake. And you've got Mechie. You've got just such an incredible, from an athletic perspective, um, dynamic wide receiver core at Alabama. And to me, that's going to be the, the, the difference in, in this game is what can, what can your defense do or can can ohio state's defense not obviously you can't shut them down but are you able to force enough stops that you can keep up and and i don't know if ohio state can so i'm actually locking up and you're not gonna like this i'm locking up alabama minus eight um and and I'll, i'll probably you know also do the over 75 because i do think um both teams score a lot I think in some of these shootout games, a game can still feel very, very close when it's like 52 to 42. You know, it's both teams are going to be getting up there. I am not predicting a 90 point game. I do think it will be over 75. uh, And I think Alabama ends up winning by nine or 10 points. Um, I'm not going to put a huge bet on it because uh, I agree with you that Ohio State very well could keep this real close and potentially even win it. So like, I'm not, this is not like how I felt with Texas A&M uh, two weeks ago when they were playing God knows who Tennessee, I think they're like three weeks ago, but that was like my lock of the century. This one, I, 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 I feel positive. Um, like I feel a positive outlook towards Alabama just because they've been so dynamic this year. Um, you know, they're, they're eight and four against the spread, I believe. And I mean, they haven't covered the last two games, but I, I, I think they will. Um, this is a, a small enough number, but I think the game, I, I think you nailed it right on the head. I think if Ohio state comes out and tries to, um, use the same game plan that Notre Dame did where, you know, eat up a lot of clock. I think Ohio state has a lot more talent than Notre Dame. I think your running backs are better. Um, and I, of course, your wide receiver room is so much more dynamic than Notre Dame. So I think you'll be able to, um, I keep saying you, I think Ohio State will be able to do a much better job than Notre Dame did um, in executing the game plan. But like you said, I think that blueprint is kind of what's to be expected here. I will say for Ohio State's defense, I think the key for them in this game is going to be the do not let Najee Harris 
beat you. I think that you can, you can lose the, like you're going to lose to the receivers sometimes, but I do think there's some value in getting, if they can keep Najee Harris from being the one that's going to break them, then I think that's a, it's, it's not a win, but it means that you're going to make this team be one dimensional. And that's, at least in its own right, something that might be can lead to the positive or can potentially I'm trying to think of how to word this get you enough stops to win this game. And that's the mm. I think that's what you have to look for. I don't think you're going to you're not going to hold this team to nothing. You're not going to keep that. Honestly, I don't even think you're going to hold them to 31 like uh, Notre Dame did. I think this is just one of those games where you're looking at it as a, can they get to like, can you get to 42 and can you stop Alabama or keep Alabama off the field enough to hold them to 35? Um, Right. And that sounds like I'm, I mean, it sounds like I'm being pessimistic about this. It sounds like I'm, I'm being um, like a worry word. And it's not, the truth is I think this is a really good offense. I think that, um, they they pretty much proved all year that there wasn't anyone that was going to just straight up stop them. Um, so, and with the questions that Ohio State has on in their secondary, I just I get a little worried. And I know Sean Wade is now saying publicly that he wants Devonta Smith. He wants to be the one to go shut down Devonta Smith. And the truth is, I think he's going to get torched um by devonta smith i think devonta smith is awesome and i think he's probably going to catch a whole lot of like seven yard routes and take them for like 40 and that's Mm. the concern so yeah uh yeah not as confident going into this one i still think it'll be a great game and i still think that like i said i think if you played this game 10 times i think ohio state wins two and a half of them um it's 25% and I did 10 times. I think they win at least two of them if you play this game 10 times. And I think that's, I think there's a chance, but yeah, I would not. Check, you can get Ohio state money line, like around that 240, 250, depending yeah, on where you look. Probably will. Yeah. So, I mean, actually I see the best one, the best one I see out there right now is plus 260. So, I mean, it's not, not bad, not bad. That, and that's kind of where I sit on this one is I, I don't want to, I'm not going to advocate for anyone to just go go out and just bet Ohio state blindly. I think Ohio state yeah. talent for talent is as close as anyone in the country to Alabama. I think they yeah. are the only team in the country that can match them talent for talent. The problem is this Ohio state defense in a normal year, I think they would be able to have a couple of guys or have a couple of options. The problem is, is that right now they don't really have that much depth in the secondary. And while they have improved, they haven't really improved in the ways that you would need them to improve to be a good matchup for this Alabama team. With all that being said, I'm going to root like hell to be wrong about my analysis. I'm going to, I'm going to laugh a ton and I'm going to be the worst person on the internet. Um, if Ohio State goes out in there and just steamrolls them, <laughs> I, if you want to, like, if you want to preemptively mute me after Ohio State scores its first touchdown, I won't blame you. Um, if Ohio State is getting destroyed, you will get um, 
word I'm not allowed to say anymore because we've already gone over our limit, everything, and you'll get that repeatedly. Um, but I don't know. I think this will be, I think it'll be fun. I think this is the matchup I, that we all wanted to see. And I mean, who didn't have fun watching the SEC championship game? Yeah. I wouldn't no, mind seeing right. that game happen again. And I think this is the the one where it's close. And the only difference is, is that Ohio state is going to keep trying to run the ball. Florida didn't. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm pretty happy that we get to see it. And it is now 6.50 PM on East Eastern standard time. Um, the game has not been moved yet. Yeah. My prediction is um, Ohio State 35, Alabama 45. Um, a nice, healthy 80 points, uh, which is why I'm on the over, why I'm with uh, Bama minus eight. But My like you said, is Ohio State 80, Alabama zero. <laughs> there you go. Still get that over. Um, I will say, uh, usually in games, like, I, I all tiebreakers go to the team with a better quarterback. I do think, um, as we've said, Justin Fields is better than Mac Jones. I don't think that's a <laughs> very hot take. So, you know, when you have the better quarterback, um, anything is possible. So I definitely will not be shocked. I will not be like, I can't believe this. This is the biggest upset in history. Like I could see, I could very well see Ohio state taking care of business. If, uh, if Justin Fields is right. Yeah. It's weird. We right, didn't enjoy it. Man. His injury. <laughs> I know. I know that is a concern, but I think he'll be fine. Um, shoot him up with whatever you gave him at halftime last week. He was, he was, he was rolling. Um, but yeah, enjoy it, man. This is your team. This is the big day you get to, you know, regardless what a fun season, what a, what a great group to, uh, to be following and rooting for. And, um, yeah, you get to watch Chris Olave one, one last time on the, on the college stage. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Um, we'll get this out as quickly as possible. And uh, yeah, hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy, um, you know, the the NFL. If you're an NFL guy there's or girl, there's lots of fun games, of course, with that. Head over to FFPC if you want to get in on that playoff. Um, that playoff challenge, again, winning 500 grand is uh, is is no no small that grand prize is no small thing so go out there sign up enjoy um i i'm I'm taking the bills minus seven i have no problem with that that's my nfl lock of the week um but yeah thanks so much for listening uh matt any final words bye chris alave all right thank you guys